to the flip side, Galen Clavio, along with this man here, Brian Moritz. And we're here in the afternoon. We don't have a regular taping time anymore. We're, we're, this is almost like we're going straight to syndication at this point with these episodes. <laughs> like we've become like uh, Star Trek The Next Generation or something like that in terms right. of when we're on. So I apologize to our listeners or viewers who are expecting more consistency. Uh, at this point, we're just kind of slotting it in when we can. So right. uh, Brian, it's good to have you here with me as always how's the day going so it's good it's going good um it is you know this is a nice break as i was saying earlier from the uh from my afternoon spent on github and on the command term the the terminal the command line of my mac trying to uh to do do a cool little cool little trick thing for sharing audio on podcasts it's completely boring and it's even more boring when you bring up the fact that it's the command line um this is I, i was i was just uh DMing on Twitter a friend of mine from college who's a super computer guy. And I'm I'm apologizing. I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't know this stuff. He's like, No, this is the deep end of the pool you're in. So that made me feel a little better about not getting not getting the thing to work. But it's um, like it's like that one time that I decided, you know, it'd be a great idea if I learned Python. (laughs) You know, I spent like a solid two hours like just trying to figure out what was going on and then after a while i was like <laughs> i i missed my window on this right I, uh, I remember one time with the website that we use the student media website we used to run i had started it as a wordpress site and i was dissatisfied with wordpress so i was like oh there's other content management systems out there so i think i installed drupal and oh, just spent a miserable, miserable four months trying to figure that out. And eventually we just junked that site completely and went back to the WordPress site. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it's funny because I know just enough computer geeky stuff to be to be dangerous. It's kind of like when you know, like just enough on the guitar that you can like pretend that you're a real musician. But then when you actually try to get in the deep end, you're like, oh, no, no, I can play three chords in, in a rhythm, and I should stick with that. That works right. for me. So, um, but a good, I'm, I'm, I, it's good to kind of come out of that, that, you know, the, that, that world and into the, uh, into the real, back into the real world here. Um, and it's good. We have some, we, we have some good, Lauren Smith was just feeding us the content and the questions this morning between the food and the HGTV um, shameless takedown that she posted for some reason. I mean, it was a very shameless takedown. So, yeah. So this article that, that our friend and, and our friend listener, your colleague, my colleague and absolute HGTV hater, uh, Lauren Smith posted to Twitter and it was from, where was it from? Do you remember? Um, the, 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 the article was, yeah. it was, the link was to Vulture, but okay. the original article was written by New York Magazine. Okay, and it was and it was basically this idea that HGTV, like, like it, it's this basically HGTV sucks is because the because it, it promotes house flipping, which might have caused the housing crisis. That, that, that's really it's like the slate take that you know HG. The, here's the real cause of the of the housing bubble, HGTV. Right. Right. And- I, I just yeah, there was there was a lot wrong with it. I mean, I understand and and I mean, Lauren it, I think was posting it, it at least partially yeah. in jest because we have and a it, running feud going about HGTV, but Right. Um but it was I I really have a problem with those sorts of pieces because and I this was my original reaction was I'd like to congratulate the writer for taking HGTV programming far more seriously than any viewer ever has. Like Right. I I really, I mean, I'm sure if we went out into America, we'd find people that took that 
really seriously, like took the things that they saw. But it's a very small number of people. And I think the majority of us, some of us watch HGTV because of the patently ridiculous scenarios. Right. Uh, some of us watch because uh, it's almost hate watching to a degree. Like the people that host the shows are often just so not, right. mor- not moronic, but kind of like just oh, easy, the, the, love it, fun at. the love it or list it people are. They're, yeah. they're, they're the two. I don't know. They're in the top 20 of worst human beings on television. And it's and, like, and I don't even, I'll be honest with you. It's not even the hosts that I, that I, I hate watch on this. It's frankly, the people that are in the shows. Now there's a right. couple of exceptions. I actually went to high school with a guy who was on house hunters looking for a house. Uh, so it's not everybody, but man, the vast majority of people they have on these shows are, you're just like, I'm surprised that they allow you to have a checking account, let alone <laughs> access to purchasing property. And and you know and, and it's funny because you have so many of the 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 classic HGTV jokes that have become memes. You know the uh, you know she's a part time graphic designer. He knits yarn bombs and his you know while going to school. Our budget is four point three million dollars or something like that. Um, and, and but yeah, it's it, it's that idea that that we take this stuff seriously and. No, I don't, you know, especially once you've owned a home, you realize how ridiculous the HD, all that stuff really is. I mean, you really do realize the, uh, the, um, the ridiculousness of it, the folly of it, the how staged it is, the, um, all, all, it's just kind of completely over the top. It's overkill and, um, and now one of my favorite things, I know we've talked about this before, but you, you, you find the, the, you know, the little, the little game within the game show, right? So like the idea on house hunters is that, the, you know, before you knew it was staged, it was the, oh my gosh, which one are they going to pick? And now you kind of like look for the little clues on it. Like if there's no furniture, they've probably already bought the house because you have to have closed on the house to do it. And if the original furniture is still there, they probably haven't closed on it. And like trying to like, like, like you know, almost Kremlinology it out. And that's fun. But yeah, I don't know. There's that, that idea that, you know, you know, did house flipping and that kind of stuff, did it lead to some of the inflated home values that led in part to the financial crisis? I mean, probably, you know, there's some percentage of it, but I think the, uh, the, 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 the stuff that really caused the financial uh, crisis was happening at a far higher pay grade than anybody trying to flip a house. Right. And I think, well, or the or the opposite end of the spectrum with with loans going out to people who probably couldn't afford the houses in the first place. You exactly. Know? I mean, so no, you know, I think if if HGTV, like if I'm writing that article, first of all, God, what happened to my career at that point? But if, <laughs> I'm, if I'm writing that article, I'm focusing instead on what it did to the way that people perceive uh, home purchases. So I was I was talking to my mom. The other day. Now, my mom just moved down uh, to Bloomington last year. So she bought a new house. She sold her old house. I recently moved, bought a new house, sold my old house. And, you know, both I and my mom, you know, had to make a lot of alterations to the houses on the inside. You know, I mean, my mom put a new kitchen into her house and we basically like took the flooring out of like two different areas and replaced it with laminate flooring and and a bunch of other stuff like that. And my mom said something that I thought was interesting, which is, you know, 
when when uh, when the last time she had purchased a house was like the early '90s, and it was like you didn't walk into a house and say, "Oh, well, this doesn't have granite countertops and this and this and this," and then move on. Like it seemed like the accessorizing in the house is a lot more front and center. And those are actually, those are the things that are getting featured on a regular basis in the ads from the realtors, you know? Um, So if anything, I think HGTV has perhaps raised awareness of those accessories within houses. And you could certainly make an argument that that's artificially inflated the cost of houses a little bit, but we're talking like, like, you know, I could have sold my house for $240,000, you know, hypothetically, but I've uh, maybe I got thirty or forty thousand more for it because I did those cosmetic renovations. Well, that's not a huge amount of money. I mean, that's it's a little over ten percent of the value of the house. You're mm-hmm. not talking about oh, that house is now worth half a million dollars more. So I don't, right. I don't know. They're just the whole thing. It was. It, it seemed like it was written by somebody who's only owned like a condo in their life, right, or a or an apartment in Manhattan, and just kind of looks at it that way. Oh, one thing I would wonder is like the the the, the if there's I'm sure there's correlation, but it'd be interesting to study correlation causation on it. It, You know, when people not just buy homes, but remodel homes or like do their kitchen, do their bathroom, are they, have sales or requests for granite countertops gone up, you know, related to, because that's what you think you're supposed to have, you know, the stainless steel appliances, which are terrible, but you know, are they what, because they're what you're... Hey, watch your mouth about the stainless steel appliances. Dude, I have a stainless steel. <laughs> I know, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, of all the things I'm passionate about in the world, the the, the, the the sheen on my appliances is really low on the list. Um, but like, you know, I, so that's what I wonder. Like if it's just like um, more people requesting it or thinking that's what you should have rather than, you know, whether it's the best, whether it's the most cost effective, whether it, you know, you know, whether a stainless steel appliance works in with the color scheme in your kitchen. And I don't know the, uh, you know, it, it's weird. Cause like home ownership is, you know, frustrating at times, but it's also, you know, it's fun in the, you have like a million different ways to like do your house and you can kind of, and, and you know, great freedom comes great responsibility, but this kind of plays into that. I feel like. Interestingly, I just read an article that um, apparently Granite is being replaced by quartz as the uh, the preferred uh, countertop stone choice. So that's the new hotness, okay, quartz. Hotness. So granite, Excellent. granite, old and busted, um, and and so just well, I'm sure we'll there, there has to be an HGTV show that is just about countertops at some point here. Right, right. Now, now, okay. So if there were HGTV, what is the most pedestrian part of the house that they could make an entire show about? I feel like I'm actually shocked given the overall like taste and intelligence level of the average American viewer. Mm-hmm. I'm shocked that there hasn't been a whole show just devoted to bathroom renovations. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Or addicts. Um, addicts, addicts would be like like like, you know, well, what would that like I don't even know what that would be called. Like, you know, but like just something where all you do is renovate attic space and not okay. not into like a new room, but like just Flipping like, it into, into attic space. Yes, like yeah, yes, you're you're just. I mean, I can't you just get up there with a little gun and go pew 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 pew. Done. Half hour. Right. I okay. Because ultimately, I mean, ultimately, we've got you've got shows about decks. You've got shows about kitchens. You've got you know certainly shows about the whole house. You've got 
all of those things. So yeah, I mean, I think bathrooms and attics are like the kind of the last frontier. Maybe oh, maybe HVAC space or laundry Ooh, areas, laundry rooms. That would be it. I which think. is which is your normal podcast position? Right. So. No, that's actually I, I, I've actually moved from the laundry room in the past year. Um, I, I get a chair and everything now. It's great. Um, but no, I our, think our, I think, our viewers are actually very upset that uh, they think that you've sold out and, and the show isn't <laughs> the same because you're no longer huddled next to your whirlpool. I mean, I can go. I I, I can always go back. Go back there i mean it might be a little awkward with the microphone now but i mean i can always we can have a throwback episode where i sit in the lawn on, on the laundry room floor and uh and uh waps poetic about ted cruz's presidential candidacy i mean we can go full throwback there that, um I no just, i think I, I think you've got i think laundry rooms you know laundry room nation i think is our new it would be the next show you know the best the best laundry room the best laundry room for your buck um I don't know. Yeah, I feel like that's a good, yeah. Because HVAC space, I mean, HVAC space is really just like, you know, the the part of the basement where the boiler is and like your your AC unit outside. I mean, there's only, so, you know, do you, I don't, you have a boiler in your house? We used, we used to, we did, we did have a boiler, but now so it, did, it is. Did a, you have like a coal chute that you should <laughs> Cool down. I, mean, I wish that would be awesome. Actually, the um, house, the first house I ever lived in, it was this old house. It was built in like 1899, uh, and it actually had a coal chute leading into this dank basement where there used to be a coal-powered furnace that was okay. the source for the house. The house did not have great insulation, if you're wondering. So my, our first house that we lived in in Binghamton, we had a steam boiler. So because we had it was a house from 1920, so it had the the steam radiators uh, throughout the house. And so we, we move in early December and we go home, we go back to my parents' house in Buffalo for Christmas and we come home Christmas night and the heat's busted, the heat's off. Like what the hell happened? Let's go downstairs. So the guy comes the next morning to look, to look at the heat and he had the, the, the steam furnace boiler had run out of water. So the, most furnaces, um, steam, steam boilers have like an automatic water fill thing that will fill it with lower. This one didn't. And it was like a $600 part. And we were relatively young and had just bought a house. And like, that seems like a lot of money. And so every three days I had to go downstairs and literally water the furnace, turn on the little switch to make sure that the water level was filled on. So that was really fun. The, uh, the eight months, nine months that we had moved up here to Rochester and our house was still on the market in Binghamton. I had to have a buddy of mine go down, stop by the house like every four or five days and make sure the, 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 the furnace had enough water so that it wouldn't go out. So I used to have to water my furnace. That was my great, uh, home improvement story. So, we should probably jump like we, there were some corollary uh, topics that we should probably jump to. Let's on do this. it. So yes. um, uh, what, let me find the, do you have the wording of the question in front of you? My Twitter feed decided to stop working here. Um, let me, let me call it up here. So da, da, da. as always, when you have topics, you can either tweet at one of the two of us uh, at Dr. GC at BP Moritz or at Flipside pod. And uh, we will always spend one minute on it. Um, and Lauren Smith's question is to us, and this is follow-up from our discussion of last week. What is the most disgusting combination of food you would consider eating? Uh, Follow-up, Lauren's follow-up. After uh, Brian, that's me, said he wasn't an animal and would eat the cheeseburger pizza, I have to know. 
for one thing, I stand by that. I'm not an animal and I would absolutely eat a che- cheeseburger pizza. <laughs> both both like, you know, kind of cheeseburger style where it's like ground beef and, and mozzarella and like shredded cheddar cheese kind of mixed in pizza style and pizza with an actual just cheeseburger slapped on top of it. Okay. I would absolutely eat both of those. Um, so I guess the question is, is that the most disgusting food combination? I get this is a very subjective question. Right. Because like, like, like I... Cheese- Go ahead. You know, I my uh, you know my thing is basically like um, I am I put ketchup on my Doritos and my wife thinks that's absolutely disgusting. What and- the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> so, but I don't think it's disgusting at all. So, with something that I might think is disgusting, somebody right. else might be like totally oh. fine with. Oh God! <laughs> so, I mean, here's the thing, like. Like a cheeseburger pizza is kind of, and there's a lot to it, but I don't necessarily think it's a disgusting combination. It's two, it, it's kind of like two things that don't really go together, but they're not like completely different food things where like you can't conceive of them being, being put together. My wife, I, I, I put this to her at lunch today um, and she said she likes chocolate chip cookies on her pizza is pretty good which i can go with and i wouldn't and i mean that doesn't sound good at all but i but it doesn't sound disgusting as much no. as it, just to no with no offense intended to your wife it just sounds weird you know i mean there's no, like no, a, no it's weird there's a, totally diff, weird. there's a difference between like disgusting and weird i would say right so disgusting foods that i would try which is funny because not, like i i'm not a dis- disgusting, disgusting food combinations food yeah. right it's so i the only thing that came to my mind was like green bean pizza or something like that, like green beans on pizza or something um, hmm. like a green bean and broccoli burrito or something like that. Um, which so isn't, that's, not, it, that's just a wrap. That's, that's, that's just a wrap. Yeah, exactly. Right. This is a tough, um, I, think it, I think it has to be something like dish and side dish that are just completely incongruous with one another. Okay. Yeah. That's so, good... so I would think about it like, um, like tacos and mashed potatoes in the same meal. Okay. Yeah. Oh. oh uh, so, yeah. That's I mean, pretty. Good. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, yeah. So something along those lines, I think, is what you have to go for. Um, yeah. Um. Hmm. Yeah. The, the, like the mashed potatoes is a good thing because that's like such a steak. Steak and uh. So like steak and what? See, steak goes good with. No, no. I'm saying. I'm saying. Oh, okay. Steak. Steak and mashed potatoes that fits well together. Chicken right, mashed potatoes you're you're okay with, but you're like fine, yeah. But like tacos and mashed right, or like potatoes. sushi and au gratin potatoes or something. Right, like that yeah. yeah. I think that's and I would, and, I, and I, I I would eat that. Like it's one of those. It's like it, it, you kind of think of this as like when you go to. I don't know if your supermarket what what your supermarkets have for like the the prepared food kind of like buffet system, but we have a little, little bit of, a little bit of everything. Yeah, that's what we that's what we have too. Our sushi comes on a conveyor belt. Really, I, I'm not. When you come to visit Bloomington next year, you'll you'll see the sushi on the conveyor belt. Yes, that that that's like very high on the list now. I need is it? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Okay, I've so, not eaten it. I have not okay, eaten. Okay, it. Was, that's what I was going to ask. Is it like reputable sushi or is I, it? It's, it's Kroger sushi. So. <laughs> So I no, see, no clue. See the, okay, see, because the Wegman sushi is actually quite good. 
Um, but but it doesn't come on a conveyor belt. It's like it just in packages, like you know, normal sushi would be. And so, like uh, like I think about that. My wife, you... my uh, official wife of of uh, this side of the flip side pod says it's okay. It's okay, which okay. is the descriptor of all sushi in Bloomington. Basically, it's well, all sure. just okay. Okay. Um, and, and think about that, or you think about when you were in college and you could kind of like pick and choose what you wanted to eat and. And, you know, kind of like that first time that you realize that you don't have to have like the, the, the protein, starch, vegetable kind of like, you know, traditional plate that we grew up with. You like, I can have chicken tenders and pizza rolls and mozzarella sticks and French fries all on the same plate. This is amazing. And maybe a burrito on the side or something like that. Um, yeah. Um, Disgusting food combinations that I would actually eat. Huh. I don't know. See, see, I, I, it's funny because I live in Rochester, which is the home of the, our, our food that we're known for right. is the garbage plate. Um, and are you, are you familiar with the idea of the garbage plate? I, I am, yes. Yes. So the garbage plate is it's potato. It's usually a, a cheeseburger, hamburger, or a hot dog kind of combination with, or one of each with macaroni salad and usually some cheese, I think some, some tater tots or something. And it's all in one plate. Um, I find them vile, but that's like the ultimate in kind of like discuss weird. And it's not really a disgusting food combination because like it's, you know, uh, it's a 4th of July picnic. It's all just like on one plate and combined together as opposed to kind of separated, which I think is a different animal. You know, when you combine the foods into one rather than kind of like the, the, the think, mix and match. I think my answer to this is any Ryan's buffet or any golden corral buffet. Oh God. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. yeah. So like Not that's, good. that's kind of where I'm at with it because like, I don't know. Again, I feel like I've eaten so much in my lifetime that there aren't a whole lot of things that I would absolutely like. There's things I think are disgusting that I wouldn't consider eating. But okay. I feel like if it's because, I mean, I've had weird like at tailgates are a great example of places where you end up with weird food combinations. Like just I've, because like because it's like a potluck situation. So you're just taking like what's around. Right. And... So like, you know, someone will bring chili and somebody else will bring donuts. And it's like, right. well, okay. <laughs> I'll have both of those. And you think, well, that's probably not going to mix well. And then it ends up being fine. You know I mean? Right. But like something, something that's like, 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 chi- like Chinese food and sour cream and onion chips. Like I would never consider <laughs> actually eating that. So that's, that's why I would, you know, I, it's hard for me to answer the question because once it hits my palatable uh, thing, my, my pal- the, the, whatever that is, the, the, the point where my mouth is like, yeah, I can eat this. It's okay. Yeah. It's like at that that point, it's just in with everything else. Right. Like I would go with like chili with like a Boston cream donut. Because, you know, that that would be the most disgusting combination you would consider eating. I see. It doesn't sound disgusting to me. Um, Right. That's the problem. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So like it sounds weird. Like they don't go together. And there's kind of like I would, you know, I'm almost 40. I would feel that for three weeks, but I would still eat it. Um, I would still at least give it a, you know. I would still, I, I, I would not say necessarily say no to it. Um, but so this yielded and this kind of turned into a whole conversation that was going around um, about uh, McDonald's pizza came on both McDonald's pizza and the trans Canada Fryway. Um, yes. 
So um, the, the, the McDonald's makes pizza. You posted the story from the Today Show. And I can say I have had McDonald's pizza. Yeah, and, and this is, as I mentioned in the Twitter thread, not surprising, <laughs> be, given, given both you and where it's located, because it's only right. located in proximity to you, kind of. Right. It was, um, it was a Canadian thing when I was a teenager. It was in the 90s in Canada. My wife swears it was at the McDonald's in Auburn. I call I call I, I call shenanigans on that, but um, but anyway, it was not widely available. If it was, that was one of the few places in the U.S. it was available, and it was not. But what's um, it taste like? Oh God! I, see, that's the thing. Like this is a bit. This is a big lead up for nothing because I don't remember. Yeah. Um, you know, I had it when I was so it was in the early '90s. So I was like 15, 16 years old, and I vividly remember going to. A McDonald's in Toronto on Young Street. It was in like the the shopping center slash building center where the Hockey Hall of Fame is in the basement. Where like you go down, and you go into the Hockey Hall of Fame, and there's a you know on the other end there's like a food court, and there's a McDonald's there. And I remember getting the pizza, and I remember a lot of us getting it because we had seen the commercials on the Canadian TV channels that we got in in the Buffalo area, and we were intrigued by it. Um, because it's McDonald's pizza and like from it, what I remember, it's very little what I remember. It's, you know, little tiny pizza. So it was basically like, like a little Tostino's or a tombstone type, you know, gas station reheated, like, like what they have at Subway kind of, you know, it was not, um, it made no impact on my food memory and palate. Um, but I just remember what, one thing I do remember loving the idea of is being able to have pizza and French fries at the same meal. That was a big deal to me because those are, those are my top five. Those were, I mean, I was a 16 year old boy. That was basically what I lived for eating. And so, um, so, so yeah, I do, rem- I, I do remember that. And so like that idea of McDonald's pizza is not, I think as weird to me as it is to other people who, you know, like yourself who didn't grow up near the Canadian border who would have no, um, experience with that or no kind of knowledge of that. So would you eat a McDonald's pizza? Yeah, I guess. I mean, it wouldn't be something I'd go out of my way to eat, even for the novelty value. I mean, okay. I, we've, you know, we've had, uh, I remember long ago, I think Hardee's in the 80s sold pizza, and and that wasn't good. Uh, you know, to me, it's like there's so many good pizza options now uh, right. that there's just no need. Like, I feel like a lot of this is kind of holdovers from a different era. You know, back in the era when when the only truly national businesses were things like McDonald's, uh, you know, it made sense for it to have everything. And right. now it doesn't. And it's like, I, you know, if you're in a place where McDonald's pizza is an option, there probably aren't very many other options out there at all. And that would be a mm-hmm. problem, I guess. So, yeah. And yeah, it, like I said, it made no real impression on me um, one way or the other. Um, you know, I'm sure it was perfectly adequate for what it was like. This is not quality pizza, obviously, right. but it was not um, so bad that I remember it being terrible or uh or anything else but um but yeah so it's a really bad mcdonald's pizza story but i have in fact had mcdonald's pizza and yeah i'm i guess i'm not surprised that they're not bringing it back that they've ne- that it never really got successful in the u.s or that they've never tried to do it especially kind of the way they've pivoted and are kind of trying to go more 
higher end is a weird sounding phrase to put here, but it feels like that's kind of what they're trying to do. They're trying to kind of capture like that, you know, avocado, you know, trying to capture the millennial, the avocado toast idea, but they're trying to like get kind of a little more artisanal flair to their, to their kind of more signature dishes. And I'm talking way highfalutin for McDonald's. Um, But yeah, it's kind of, it's always, I, I always do find it interesting to see where, a company like McDonald's goes and, and with its menu. And it, and it's kind of interesting to think about them in terms of innovation. Because like when you have, let's say, a Wendy's or a Burger King or like a, a number two, a number three, a competitor, they've got to figure out ways to stand out. They have like a competitive incentive to what to 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 take mar- to take customers away to get you to try them mcdonald's is mcdonald's i mean they're they're ubiquitous their kind of core menu is relatively unchanged relatively popular um it's not good for you but it's also not as horrible for you as i think their reputation would precede them no it's not and and um and so i'm it's always i'm always curious about like where where do they balance between innovating and trying stuff and you don't go to mcdonald's for innovation and an artisanal burger you go there for a quarter pounder or an egg mcmuffin when you're on the road or like a happy meal when you're out with your kid well, I don't know about that though. Let's let's take Hardee's as a counter example. I mean, Hardee's because they don't have the market share has had to pretty consistently innovate uh and, you know, come up with new menu offerings. And yeah, maybe it's just kind of different variations on the same theme, but but they they do have different sorts of options and they've kind of occupied that corner of, "Hey, guess what? We know fast food's bad and you know fast food's bad, so just enjoy it." Right. Uh, you know, Wendy's, I think, has done some decent innovative things in terms of their offerings. I think I think with McDonald's, um, you know, they've they kind of allowed themselves to get pushed around by the the first decade of this millennium where they, you know, they just were constantly under siege. You know, they had documentaries made about how horrible their food was for everybody. And mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not advocating I don't eat at McDonald's. I, you know, I, I don't think I've been. I haven't made a planned trip to McDonald's in like 10 years, maybe. Okay. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, it's not like it's, it's not the, it's not end of the world bad for you or anything like that. I think that their problem is that they're kind of handcuffed by how successful they were at branding their offerings in the seventies and eighties, you know? So, yeah. so, you know, if you're, it's kind of like, you know, hanging on to a franchise quarterback for too long or, you know, or, 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 you know, hanging on to basketball players for too long in the NBA. Like if you're known for the Big Mac and the quarter pounder and the chicken McNuggets and all that stuff, even if you are offering different things, you're, you know, you got to spend a lot of money on, on product development. And then people still probably aren't going to opt for them because they're so tied to this, these core ideas. I mean, it's, it's where like something like, Coke has done a good job. You know, they've they've got basically three unchanging brands at the center of their business. Mm-hmm. And then they, they have not had any hesitance uh, hesitancy at, at, at mucking around with some of the other ones. I mean, they just they just basically killed off Coke Zero and replaced it with something that's similar but is not the same. And mm-hmm. I, I haven't had one yet, so I don't know what Coke Zero sugar tastes like, but it probably tastes very similar to regular Coke Zero. But now you're going to get a bunch of people to go back and try it because right. – 
it's a it's a different sort of product. What's McDonald's going to do that with? Yeah, I don't know. That that, that that's inter- that, that, that that's what I find it so interesting on it. It's kind of like that. What do you what do you get them back to try? But do you? But at the same time, if you try to innovate too much, are you going to then push resources away from making sure that what people are coming for is there? Like if you push the avocado pico de gallo burger, ooh, that sounds terrible. Um, mainly because avocado guacamole. and pico de gallo on a burger. That does sounds pretty good. Little, no, no. Well, I I hate avocado on that. Well, okay, I get I get yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So that's my that's my favorite unpopular opinion. Every time that comes up on Twitter to discuss is how avocado is terrible. Um, but uh, where was I going with this McDonald's? Oh yeah. So like, how often like like do you crowd out and then supply ch- and, and crowd out? both menu in terms of, and then in terms of like keeping up with supply and keeping up with, you know, the, the, the core items. I don't know. I just find that, that, that balance of staying number one, almost as interesting as getting to number one and trying to unseat number one. So like when you're, and by far the dominant power, like it's not like a Nike Reebok in the eighties when it was going back and forth. Like this is very much a, a dom like there, there's a dominant player in the marketplace. Well, what is the what, now? What now that you're at dominant? How do you stay at dominant? You know, do you again to throw the sports the sports analogy? Do you kind of go back in the prevent defense? Do you you know kind of grind out the time? Do you continue to press and then open the door for uh, like a Patriots Falcon situation where you start to you know you rely and, and that's an interesting kind of juxtaposition because you could say in that that they were tr- still being aggressive and trying to like stomp put the patriots on they were down but they weren't doing it in an intelligent manner and they were struck too much on that one point of view that they didn't consider the other way well let me let me throw this at you so a okay. uh, couple of stats there's a poll uh, that came out. This was 2014, so it's a little bit old, but it, it'll serve our purposes. Okay. Which, which fast food chain has the best burger and has the best fries? These were two separate questions that were asked of Americans. Uh, who do you think won for best burger? And this is like, I'll give you, I'll give you the entrance here. Yeah, uh, McDonald's, Burger King, Five Guys, Wendy's, Arby's, don't ask me why, um, in and out, Hardee's, and Jack in the Box. Um, I am going to go with Five Guys. Yes, Five Guys and Burger King actually were tied at 15% for best Interesting. burger. Interesting. Wendy, Wendy's was in third. Mm-hmm. In and out was fourth. And, okay, McDonald's, I- and McDonald's was fifth. Okay, I'm going to say In-N-Out was low because of number of people who have access to it, right? Like East I mean, Coast. I'm sure that was part of it, yes. East Coast people don't. I, I've never had In-N-Out. I'm sure I would love it, but I've never had that opportunity, so I can't vote for it. So. But I, just, I, think it's, I think it's interesting that even, even if you take the, 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 the artisanal chains, if we're going to call five guys in In-N-Out artisanal, right. if you take them out of the equation – McDonald's finished behind Burger King by more than double and or by more than half and exactly half behind Wendy's. Now, okay. in fries, McDonald's was picked at 34% and the next mm-hmm. closest competitor only had 10% of the market. But that's a to me that's a big problem. Okay. Because- well, mo- okay, well most importantly, who's number 2 on fries? Number 2 on fries, who do you think it is? I well, I know who I think it should be five guys. Um I disagree, and you're wrong. Uh, it's, actually, 
they're, they're third, and and okay. Burger, Burger King is actually second, which I disagree oh, with as well. I think okay, that, I personally think the clear answer on the fries is Hardee's. Hardee's has excellent fries that get uh, do not get really their due. I don't believe anyway. Well, well, again, when I'm in Indiana, well, I'll get some Hardee's fries and we can we can discuss. So yes. anyway, you were saying. No, I just I think you know that that's a problem when your your whole business is based upon French fries, you know, and that's not what people are getting. People have been told carbs are bad and and fried foods are bad, and that's like a double whammy. So that's your signature item. Meanwhile, your hamburgers are just not measuring up. Like if I'm McDonald's, I walk in and I'm just like, we're junking the entire burger menu and we're going to start from scratch. And, huh. you know, maybe we'll bring the Big Mac back occasionally as, you know, a featured thing. Uh, like they do with the McRib, but it's just it's just not resonating in the marketplace anymore. But so, but here's the interesting thing: McDonald's fifth in burgers, first in fries. Okay, Burger King coming in at what second in burgers and and I'm sorry, and third second, in burgers, second, second in burgers and second in fries, second in burgers and second in fries, fries and overall good power ranking. I mean, their their QBR is really high, and yet McDonald's is still beating them in terms of sales. I mean destroying them um and that's interesting you know like like people seem to love burger king and yet when's the last time you went to burger king but i think i i would argue that the reason that mcdonald that i think mcdonald's is, sw- is swamping them in terms of total volume revenue, volume mm-hmm. but, but not in terms of like per capita because like there you know there are let's see mcdonald's um i wanted to look something up real quick um there are in the in the U.S. Uh, how many franchises are there for McDonald's? Um, number of franchises. There we go. Um, there are. Well, gosh, guys, why don't you have your stuff available? Here we go. <laughs> um, they don't split them out. Of course, they don't split them out by uh, by by individual uh, country. Of course not. So that's, that's kind of a joke. Um, but anyway, I would argue without actually having the numbers in front of me that there's probably far more McDonald's franchises than there are Burger King franchises. And I think that, so that ends up, that ends up skewing things to a large degree. Now, if you look at, I do think it's interesting in terms of, um, the, the worldwide brand value. Um, McDonald's is certainly far and away the biggest, but again, I think that's because they've got so much worldwide market penetration. When when you're actually going apples to apples, they're struggling or going to continue to struggle in terms of, of um, you know, unit to unit sales. It's just that they can sell so many more units. Okay. Uh, but I do think that they're, you know, I mean, hey, Sears had a lot of stores at one time. They were like the dominant retailer in the U.S. And, and uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but they're not in great shape anymore. Oh, no. Um, we were just talking, my wife and I were just talking about that the other day. I feel like, um, so Sears is obviously not in great. Kmart's going out of business, all those stores. If you could pick a kind of department store, like that, like an anchor store in a mall. So like that genre of stores. Um, which one do you think would be like the most shocking if it just up and folded? Like Sears is not. Like Sears is clearly kind of, way uh, on the on, it has on the to downturn. Be a department store that's what i'm going with we can expand it out after after this discussion so i have a vote but i wanted to um uh the most shocking if it just up and folded man i, I mean target okay it would be um, the most shocking just because it's like it's 
it's what Kmart used to be, and yeah. it's like build that middle class. I'm too good to go to Walmart role. Um, right. So I'd be shocked to see that go away. Go ahead. All right. We we, we were thinking uh, J.C. Penny would be the, and also Penny as kind of like the combination of. It could happen. Like it would not be like completely out of the realm of possibility that it did happen, but it would not be like like a Sears and Kmart where it's been going downhill. And you kind of you know it's more a shock value that Sears is going down rather than like an actual um, kind of business. Blah, blah blah. And I don't you know know J C Penney's, but that would that and that feels like at any moment they could be like J C Penney. We are closing five thousand stores nationwide or whatever it is. So that would be my vote. But Target would be good because Target's kind of in that. Mm, almost too big to fail both in terms of sales and in terms of like cultural cachet in terms of cultural value right now. And see, I would actually be, I wouldn't be shocked at all if JC Penny folded because we don't have them around here anymore. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. They're all gone. I mean, we've got, I mean, we've got Macy's and mm-hmm. I wouldn't be shocked if Macy's folded. Macy's just closed a bunch of stores on that yeah. too. So, so, you know, so that's, and, and our Sears just closed down for good and that's been replaced. And so the only anchor stores left at the mall here um, our, our, our target and Dick's sporting goods and Macy's. Okay. Those are the three. Um, you know, and when I was growing up, it was, it was, it was JC Penney at the mall in Lafayette. And then it was, uh, LS Ayers, which was bought by Macy's. And then it was like, uh, Kohl's was the other one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I don't know. Nothing, it's like to this, at this, I was, I was looking at this chart the other day. I shared it with my wife and it was, it looked at the retail sales of all these stores for like from 2007 to 2017 and something like um, Sears had lost like 85 or 90% of their market cap and uh, Best Buy had lost like 50% of their market cap and right. Amazon had gained like 1900% of its market cap or something ridiculous like that. And, and sure. so just none of those things would surprise me now on the fast food level. I mean, that's that's the thing that's interesting. So you know, if you look at the you know the the way that the, uh, the you know this looming restaurant recession that people keep talking about, um, McDonald's had seventeen point six percent of quick service traffic last year, which was more than double that of the second and third place restaurants, which were Subway and Starbucks, and. Um, then there was a cluster of Wendy's Burger King and Taco Bell that were kind of in the middle. And then that was followed by Sonic Chick-fil-A Chipotle and Hardee's slash Carl's Jr. So that's, that's your top 10. Um, but again, I still, I still go back to this idea that the reason McDonald's gets all this foot traffic and, and business is simply because they're, it's, they're the, it's the easiest one to find. Like the ubiquitous. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, all right, there's one other kind of topic that came up, and I don't know if it was mentioned as a topic, but we can turn anything into a topic on this show. Um, and it was our friend uh, Ann Pegararo who suggested, who posted a link to uh, her tweet was, Canadians do round trips around food, smiley face emoji. Trans Canada Fryway, where are the best roadside fries? And she links to a story from the CBC. Four friends from Toronto have taken the Canadian experience one step further. They're driving across the country, tasting every roadside. Wait for it to load. Probably yeah. French fries. Roadside. It's slow because it's Canadian. It's slow because it's Canadian. Tasting every roadside French fry along the way. And they're doing like a web do- a web documentary on it. Um, and this is funny because I've never... Uh, roadside fry places are apparently a thing in Canada. I did not know this. Yet another reason Canada is superior to us. But um, 
So, so, so I guess the question is, if you could do a road trip around food, U.S. road trip, you know, where you sample blank or around food. So not, not so much a road trip that like I'm going to go to New Orleans to right. eat just, New Orleans. Just a road food. trip around a particular type of food. Yeah. What would you pick? Other than barbecue? Okay. Um, uh, I mean, barbecue. I mean, barbecue. That's been done. Well, it's been done, but like, the, but not by me. I mean, I've done like many versions of it, but it's like that's probably the most rewarding of the trips, right? Um, let's see what else. Like, I mean, I guess pizza just to kind of get at the regional variance in it from you know from the East Coast style to the Midwest style, and I don't know, I don't know what kind of the the, the pizza is dominant on the West Coast. I mean, um, how long of a road trip are you planning here, man? I mean, I mean, we can go all out. They're going across Canada. What the heck? Yeah. Um, um, so a barbecue. So the barbecue road trip, and that and that's good because that's kind of really you can localize that around Memphis, North Carolina, and then down into in the South, and then into Texas. So you kind of get like yeah. almost a, a nice circle. I actually um, think if you're gonna do if you're gonna do a food based road trip, I think the best option, the most American option, the option that's probably gonna yield the most. Um, the biggest spectrum would be a hamburger mm-hmm. road trip. Ooh, that would be good. Yeah. A hamburger road trip that, cause I mean, there's just so many different places to get burgers. I like to compare burgers from place to place, even when I'm not on a food specific road trip. Sure. Uh, when, when we were out in California this year, uh, you know, I, I remember getting burgers at several places just cause I was curious what they were going to do with it. And so, mm-hmm. um, it's the one thing that's pretty much served everywhere. And, right. and I think that the, the mentality of everything from how the beef is, is picked to how it's cooked. I meant when I say pick beef, I don't mean like go out on the tree. I mean like the, the, <laughs> beef, that's, the beef that's selected for the hamburger, the type mm, of beef. Yeah. Beef tree. Beef tree. Um, <laughs> you know, from, from that to the way that it's cooked on the, on the grill to the way that it's dressed to the way, to the sort of bread that's on it, to what they serve with it. But to me, that tells the story of, of American, like, you know, middle cuisine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that, and that I think is because like the, it's like steak is pretty much the same everywhere, but right. hamburgers, there can be tremendous variation because there's so many things that affect that final taste of what right. you're, what you're getting from the burger. So I heard on a podcast in the, recently, and it was the uh, the podcast. So it was Joe Pisnanski and uh, Mike Sure, and uh, they had a question that they answered from a reader of what food, and we've kind of answered varieties of this question before, but what foods are better in their cheap form than in their like fancy form? And they both thought that the hamburger and the cheeseburger. So like the 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 like really fancy artisanal cheeseburger that they, they'll have in fancy restaurants is not markedly better a better experience than like a diner cheeseburger or like a, or like a ballpark cheeseburger or some, some like a more inexpensive cheeseburger. And I, and I, and I can see some, and I can see some, some merit to that. Um, but so one other thing I did, I don't, I, I guess, yeah, hamburger is a good, good pick. I think kind of going around, it's going to be everywhere. You're not going to have the great regional variants that you're going to have in pizza where you can't really compare like Chicago pizza to New York pizza. They're two completely very different things and different, you know, yeah. and I did, and and different honestly, experiences. Most pizza in the U S is kind of reductive. Like, I mean, there's, you'll get, you know, certainly not just New York, but New Haven, uh, sure, and, yeah. and, and, you know, a couple other places on the East coast have, have a particular, but most pizza, 
is it's pizza. It's pizza. You know what I mean? It's, it's something that there, there are low expectations and I think therefore kind of reductive product that comes out of it. But I think with hamburgers, everybody thinks that they can make a good burger at, at mm-hmm. restaurants from, from dive, you know, roadside establishments all the way up to, to relatively high end restaurants. And so um, that's, that to me is, is something that would be worth considering. You know, what's an underrated, uh, underrated food, the patty melt. Yeah. I mean that, not really a fan of it just because I've never been tremendously into yellow cheese, but I understand where you're, I understand where you're coming from with that. Yeah. So that's that's big at steak and shake here. And I'm always like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, another thing I I do want to bring up is you posted this amazing question on your Twitter feed on on your Facebook page the other day. And, uh, it deserves, it deserves a little time before we wrap up here. So it's the cartoon one. Do you want to maybe introduce the question? And I want to know where this came from. If this is just random or if this had a, uh, it was pretty uh, random. Uh, okay. the, question, the question I asked on Facebook was, uh, I'll get the, uh, what, what cartoon character would you most like to be friends with in real life? And what cartoon character would you least like to be friends with in real life? And actually, I remember the, 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 uh, the origin story of this. It was, um, I used to joke to Pat Walsh when he lived here, when um, the Carfax commercials would come on, that I thought that I could be friends in real life with the Car Fox. You know, oh yeah, cool. he seems he seems like a really good guy, like uh, really good, like bring his kids, like you're hanging out at soccer practice and you and and talking to him. He feels like a good guy, yeah. But but we both agreed that the general, uh, the little oh, animated yeah. dude from <laughs> would be just a creepy dude to hang out with. No and question, so, yeah. So that was kind of where the original uh, idea for the question came from. Yeah. All right. So and and the important stipulation, and it was a great Paul on your part, is this is a Robert Roger Rabbit situation. So you are still a person, whereas you don't all of a sudden maintain get like the drop an anvil on your head and you live or, right. or I, mean, I, have, I, have that, I have that ability anyway, but yeah, right. like, like right. whatever your normal physics are, you have to keep right. those. And the cartoon right. character gets to keep its physics. Right. So I actually, I had two quite, I had two answers on this because I, I have my number one picks, but they were both people like cartoon characters of people. And that felt cheating a little bit. It felt like antithetical to like the, uh, the spirit of the question, which I feel is more like a Disney character slash Looney Tunes, you know, anthropomorphic animal situation. So my number one, my, my who I would be friends with is Tadashi Hamada from Big Hero 6. If you haven't seen it, you won't get it, but he's absolutely my favorite. Okay. But if we're going the anthropomorphized animal, I'm going Mickey Mouse on this because I just feel like Mickey is just the good guy, and he, he's the good guy. He's the good friend. He's got a little bit of, like, Fred and George Weasley about him where, like, he can get into, into prank mode, and he can be kind of, you know, uh, kind of fun and kind of, you know, kind of pranky a little bit. But at the end of the day, he's always there. He's a, he, he's just, like, a good, good friend. Um, he's Mickey would help you move, I think. Um, and, uh, so, and the characters that I would not want to be friends with, uh, Princess Sophia from Sophia the First, um, the single most annoying fictional character I think I've ever seen. Um, my daughter, unfortunately started watching that. Like she was just at the right age when that came out. So it was ground floor. Luckily she has since gotten older and moved on from that. Um, but also Donald Duck, Donald Duck would not be fun to hang out with. He'd be, he'd be the, 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 he'd be the friend who's always like yelling at some dude on the street or yelling at the waiter for like getting his drink order wrong or something like that. He would just not be fun. See, I think that's a little unfair to Donald because I feel like most of the time Donald is perfectly happy 
but he gets like bad things happen to Donald all the time. Like if you go back and you look at the cartoons, he's a pretty normal, well-adjusted guy until stuff goes wrong. And then when stuff goes wrong, he's really unpleasant to be around. No question. But, but I don't think he like, I'd much rather be friends with Donald than with Daffy. Oh, no question. Because Daffy's just nuts. Uh, Daffy's just an a-hole. Right. Um, You know, and, and the Mickey thing, I feel like bad things happen to Mickey uh, more than they should. And they have to, because you need the dramatic effect of something happening in order to propel the cartoon. I get that. But uh, my answers on this were, uh, were little John, the bear from, uh, from Robin hood. Cause great pick. Yep. That dude. I mean, uh, he just, he was a gregarious bear and mm-hmm. you know, he was, he was just a good dude to hang out with. Seemed to have, like seemed to be a good friend, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and my least favorite, the one I would not want to be friends with, was Tweety Bird. That's a great pick. Like, That's Tweety, fantastic. Tweety Bird is just no. There's nothing redeeming about that character. Like, I mean, it's hard to feel sorry for a cat that's trying to eat a bird until you hear the bird speak. And mm-hmm. then you realize that any sympathy you might have for the bird is completely misplaced. Right. Totally. Yeah. Totally an annoying character. Absolutely. That's a, that's a fabulous, fabulous pick. So, so anyway, uh, well, I think that'll wrap it up for today. Uh, any final thoughts? No, I think we are. Uh, I think it's, it's good. Um, again, show notes for this episode with all the links to all the great content is uh, sportsmediaguy.com. Click on the flip side. Um, and yeah, if you have questions, remember hit us up on, on Facebook or on Twitter at flipside pod or at BP Moritz or at Dr. GC. And we can give you at least one minute of our time and usually more. So yeah, normally we're pretty good about giving you guys a whole lot of our time. So <laughs> we never get any thank yous for that either, which I'm a little bit, we, we, I, I don't need it. You know, Galen's needy, but I, 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 for me, the work is a reward enough. It's the least you could do. Anyway, it really is. You, you folks out there, you oh. I'm talking to. You. Anyway, for Brian, I'm Galen. This has been the Flipside uh, Podcast. Be sure to tune in next week. I think we'll be recording. Uh, and mm-hmm. tune in every week. Be sure to download the podcast off of uh, iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, folks, and we will catch you on the flip side. So long, everybody.